Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. And when I'm not behind the mic on this podcast, I'm usually hosting an event, hosting a meetup, uh, teaching people how to raise equity. And actually, we have a, a huge event. It, last year, it was one of the biggest events for all of multifamily. And it's coming up on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I hope you'll attend. Go to RaisingMoneySummit.com and then you can get a discount by putting in the promo code podcast. So just my podcast listeners, get this awesome promo code. Just put in podcast and, and I'll know that you got it. You heard it here on the podcast and you'll get a giant discount. So go to RaisingMoneySummit.com and then put in the promo code at checkout podcast. You get a big discount and I'll see you there October 3rd, 4th and 5th. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and today I am here with Kim Gillock. Kim Gillock is a buy-and-hold investor located in Denver, Colorado. Her full-time career is actually as an ER, in the ER at Children's Hospital. What uh, she's been doing is kind of incredible, and that's why we are having her on. So she got involved in, into house hacking back in 2013, uh, currently manages four different long-term rentals, including a couple in Denver and a couple in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she is still doing house hacking month to month at the house that she has here. And all, all of this while she runs her uh, vacation rental because every true millennial truly needs to have a side hustle. Right, Kim? That's right. So real estate's my side hustle, I guess. <laughs> I love it. it. I love it. And, I, and we're really grateful to have you on the show. What I wanted to get out of you is something that is remarkable about you is, is how you treat your tenants and how your tenants treat you. And this is something that not everybody knows. So I definitely want to pull out some of that information from you right now. So let's just go straight into being a landlord. And in the pre-interview, we talked about a few, uh, three different things. You, you talked about how important it is to be firm, how important it is to be fair, and how important it is to be responsive. So if you could just start right there and tell me why is this important and how has that reduced your turnover at your part, at your homes? Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I definitely love listening to your podcast. So hopefully I can bring some value to, to your listeners as well. Um, as far as uh, my landlording philosophy goes, um, you know, people, you know, people have a choice about where they live. Um, and the most expensive thing for landlords is turnover. Um, you lose like on holding time, like lost, lost rent, and um, and also the money that it costs to to flip over a property. So especially with me having a full time job, um, I need to reduce the amount of turnover I have. And one big way that I do that is by keeping my tenants happy. Um, I mean, you don't want to do it like at any cost and like be bending over backwards for them and um, giving them anything that they ask for and fixing things that they break or, or you know, costing yourself a lot of money because then you're not going to make any money. Um, but I do think it's fair and I think it's, it's 
right to be responsive to my tenants. They're basically my customers in a way, and I want to keep them happy so that they like love where they live. And so they want to stay there and keep the property nice. Um, if they love where they live, they're going to keep it up better. Um, hopefully they won't want to leave. I'm happy to, you know, do some upgrades here and there to keep them happy. Um, they appreciate that I, that they, that they feel like I'm fair. Um, they appreciate that I respond quickly to them and address their needs and don't, don't blow it off. Cause I know if I were in the same situation, I wouldn't want someone, you know, ignoring my, my living situation and my needs. Um, you know, you're there every day, it's your home. So I feel like that's really important. So if someone forgets to be firm, fair and responsive, what might happen? Um, I get, you know, your tenants can find somewhere else to live. There's, there's other options. And, um, I feel like the rental market seems to be growing and growing as people don't really want to, aren't maybe as interested in buying or aren't as able to own a house. Like there's just more, especially in Denver, you know, where we are, there's more and more rentals opening up all the time. There's new areas that are cool and hip all the time. They have options and they're not afraid to walk, you know, if they need to. So. And you mentioned that this is to reduce your turnover and you said turnover is one of your biggest costs. So if, if, can we just kind of dive in and just what does it take to turn over a property and wh how is that so expensive? Someone moves out, someone moves in. What's the cost? Right. Well, um, you know, first of all, you have to have the time to get down there. If you don't have a property manager, like I don't right now, I only have four properties and I feel like I have the time to manage my own property. So I'm going to do that at this point in my real estate career. Um, I guess I'll give an example of like, I've got two properties in Tulsa um, where I'm from. And if I'm going to turn over a property in Tulsa, like I need to, you know, find a chunk of time to go down to Tulsa. So I have to like, you know, book a flight or make a, a long drive. And I need to be down there for several days. I have to also have to spend a lot of time coordinating uh, repairs on the front end so that whenever I get down there, I've got the right professionals to kind of help with any repairs that need to be done. Um, I really don't like to have any vacancy at all. So if I can get down there and like turn it over in two days and work like really hard, then I've minimized that cost of lost rent. Um, Cause a lot of times, I mean, I actually did interview property managers when I first bought down or when I first bought down there. Cause I was like, I don't know how I'm going to manage from far away. And the way that they were approaching it was like, okay, once everyone's out, then we'll assess the property, we'll repaint everything, and then we'll advertise it. And I was like, whoa, that sounds like two months of lost rent. That's a huge percentage of my income for the year. I can't, I can't have that much lost rent. So you're, you know, you're losing your rent, you're not cash flowing, and you're also paying for, you know, potentially new paint, maybe new carpets. Last time, I think I had to have the hardwood floors refinished. Um, you know, any little upgrades you want to do, changing the locks out. Um, yeah, so a lot of little things that can add up. And really, if you're thinking about how much money you're making in a year, it can be a huge, per excuse me, a huge percentage of, of your uh, turnover. So keeping my tenants happy is really important to me. So I don't have to spend a lot of extra time and money on that process. Yeah. Well, let, let's go, let, let me ask you just a couple um, direct questions. The first one is, what do you think an average rent would be? Now, we're not talking market to market. I'm just saying, what's an average rent? Just throw out a number. Like for my properties? And, 
any, any number. Rent. Any number. $1,500. Okay, $1,500. All right. Uh, how much does it cost to paint an average house? Uh, I guess if I'm doing it, however much the cost of the paint is, and then my time, which is worth a lot. Um, throw out a know, number. $500. I don't know. Maybe okay. more. That sounds very low. All right. $1,000. How, how about carpet? How much does carpet take? Cost? $2,000. Okay. Three? Say three. Four? Three. Okay. Three. I'll go three. How about when you had to refinish your hardwood floors on that unit? Ooh, that was probably about $1,000. They're not okay. like huge houses or anything, but. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you have to do upgrades, how much are you willing to put in during a turnover? How, what is the upgrades mm. going to be? Um, I mean, I think that they say about one month's rent on average per year is about what you should, you should expect to spend. And that's oh, so so 50, like, another know, 12 to 1500. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how about the locks to get the locks switched out by locksmith? Maybe like 100, 150. Okay. And what do you have to do for advertising? You have to advertise, you said? Um, you know, typically I just use Craigslist and then some free services online. Um, I'm so sure free. Things that, free? Free, except for my time. 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 Okay, well then <laughs> put a number to that. Put a number to oh, that. Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. Probably over the course of like fielding emails, uh screening them communicating with them you know going through references and stuff like that i maybe close to a thousand dollars if you look at like what my rate is for my actual job <laughs> okay all right there you go very expensive all right all right so <laughs> what i'm doing right now is i'm just adding up just the costs that you mentioned not all the other costs that you said were also there so we I feel were like trying I'm on the prices, right? Yeah. So what we were <laughs> trying to do here is we were trying to figure out what is the cost of turnover, and if I add up all of these costs, it's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven thousand. Not eleven hundred. Eleven thousand dollars is is if I just add up everything that you just told me, turnover is really expensive. It is. And I mean, most likely wow. you're not going to have to do all of those things on every turnover. Okay. Um, probably like a fraction of that, hopefully. Okay. If someone's been in there a long time, then maybe more, but you know, they've been in there. I think theoretically you've been cash flowing for a while. So maybe it's not so painful, but okay. yeah, maybe if you had a bad tenant, messy tenant, big animal. Then you'd have to be doing know, drywall just, and getting cement out of the toilets. You might as well just go <laughs> ahead and gut it as far as I'm concerned. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, all right. All right. It's so, expensive. Yes. Yeah. So the, I guess with you being so fair, firm and responsive with your tenants, you're saving quite a bit of money on just keeping people with you at your properties. So I, I wanted to just point that out. And again, all I did was just added up the cost that you told me, two, two months of rent, one uh, uh, paint, and just averaged out the cost, just like you said. And I didn't, we didn't even dive deep into all the others, but that's this, this is already $11,600. Um, okay, so- like to be way inflated, by the way. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I was- Trying not to be, but all right. Several so here, thousand at least. I'm going to go with several here, thousand dollars. Let's dive into this. Um, you need to what? What if, if somebody's brand new? What do they have to focus on if they want to be successful like you 
and you're running a full-time job. It's incredible. And you've got many rentals and short-term and long-term. Uh, what would your big advice be? You need to... Um, I think a big part of getting into real estate is knowing yourself. Um, I guess knowing yourself, like your personality, your temperament, you know, for dealing with tenants, maybe what your strengths and weaknesses are, what you should hire out, um, what you should do yourself if, if you can. And then also on a more like, um, like tangible plane, um, I guess, at least for me, I'm not super risk of, I'm not super, you know, into like high risk over leveraging. So like I want, for me, I need to know like where I am financially and how comfortable I am with a certain amount of leverage. Um, and then also for me, it's been a big deal having good time management skills. So, you know, I'm feeling emails. I don't want to say like frequently, but you know, tenants have concerns. I want to be responsive, like you said. Um, so where kind of where you are, like with your, how much time do you have to devote to this? And um, if you don't have the time, like, can you hire a property manager and how does that work with your numbers? So um, I don't, I would also like to say, I think it's important not to overanalyze. That was a big thing for me at the beginning. It was kind of just like uh, ignorance is bliss. I was like, I think these numbers should work out. I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, I can sell the property and we'll all move on with our lives. But like, don't overanalyze, but also have a good grasp on like who you are and where you are financially and time-wise, I think is, has been important for me. Uh, and I also realized that like my life could change. I might not have as much time. I might need to hire out a property manager. Um, things could change financially, you know, just kind of keeping being honest with yourself and, and knowing who you are and where you are and knowing that that can change as well. So, okay. Yeah. So, so to try to sum it up, it was kind of a couple things. It, you, you don't want people to overanalyze. If they're getting new, you don't want them to just like get so bogged down by the numbers. Mm -hmm. the, the other part was you need to understand who you are as a person where it comes to time commitment and your financial standing. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, why is, why is that important? First, to know who you are and to not overanalyze. Why is that so important? I mean, overanalyzing, it's really easy to overanalyze yourself. And there's a million reasons not to do it. There's a million things that can go wrong. So if you overanalyze, you're just going to talk yourself out of it. If this is something you really want to do, like jump in, get in there. Things are going to go wrong and that's okay. Like most things aren't like unrecoverable. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to die. Um, you're, you're likely going to be able to recover from any mistakes and you're going to learn from it. And that's, that's part of it. Um, that's kind of part of the fun, part of the game. Um, so let me interrupt you uh, mm -hmm. before we move on, because although I completely agree with you, I think the biggest drawback from somebody who's getting into the business or wants to get in the business and hasn't is that they do overanalyze. So I'll start it off by saying, Kim, I completely agree. I think that's true. But let me ask you something. If we could just take a direct quote from you that the listener just heard and let you, and let you share a little bit more. You said a million things could go wrong. So if a million things could go wrong, should the listener just decide not to go into real estate at all? Instead, not overanalyze and just do something completely different? 
No, I mean, there's ways to mitigate your risk. I guess there are, you know, a million things that can go wrong, but you can mitigate your risk by, you know, having extra inspections on your HVAC and on your plumbing or on your sewer line, just to make sure that like those things aren't gonna end up costing you more money later. Um, other things, I mean, a big thing for me too is finding the right tenant that is going you know, stick to your criteria and have strong rental criteria. Don't put someone in there just to fill a space because you're worried about losing one month's rent. Like, yeah, that is some extra money you're going to lose, but you're going to lose a lot more money if you get some professional tenant in there. Uh, someone who, you know, is a hoarder, someone who's been evicted before that's going to, there's ways to mitigate your risk so that a million things can't go wrong. Maybe a few things can go wrong and uh, just kind of have to, like I said, know yourself and know your criteria and give yourself the best shot at success by, by choosing good tenants and choosing properties that also maybe at least at first are like um, not in like, not the cheapest properties because those properties are probably going to cost you more money in the long run. So like at least, for me, choosing a property that's a little bit nicer where you can attract a nicer tenant has been a huge key in success as well because I honestly just don't have time to deal with people not paying me, uh, deal with people who are destroying the place. Like it's been nice having nicer properties where I'm able to attract people who are probably gonna keep my properties up a little bit better. Okay, okay. Man, I could have you on the podcast for a long time because we're pulling out more pieces of wisdom and more nuggets than um, than I ever expected. There's just so many different things that are in your head that you've learned over the time. And I have, I have a lot, yeah. It's, <laughs> so I want to play around with something for a moment. At first, you were saying don't overanalyze. Yeah. And then we're saying there, like, there's so many different things that can go wrong. And we're saying, but still you should do it. So the question is like, if there's a lot that can go wrong. Yes. <laughs> and you should do it. Like, how do you decide how much you should analyze, right? Like, how do you know about the roof, the foundation, the HVAC, the sewer, having a bad tenant, letting a tenant in too, too early, understanding you said you have to stick to your criteria, but how do you understand what criteria you should have? So it sounds like I'm just saying, it almost sounds like this is either one learned by experience or two incredibly intuitive. So what do you have? What does somebody need to do if they really want to get into this to understand that they can move forward without overanalyzing? What do they have to know? Um, well, I mean, I guess knowing yourself and your risk tolerance is helpful. Um, you know, I've read a lot. I've learned a lot from a lot of podcasts. I like, once I discovered Bigger Pockets, it was like just total podcast binge, like getting on the forums, learning from other people's mistakes. Um, I would say I do have a fairly good intuition um, just about properties. And that's like, you know, obviously say that with a grain of salt, like you can never really know, but like having an idea of like, what's going to rent, who I want to rent to. Um, and then also kind of, I think a lot of people are pretty good judges of character, especially as you kind of get older, 
you meet a lot of different people, you can kind of get a vibe and everything. And I'd say that also from the ER and meeting a lot of different people in the ER kind of also helps you to make some, I don't want to say snap judgments, but kind of like evaluations quicker, maybe. Um, educate yourself as much as you can, mitigate your risk as much as you can. Um, and then you have to learn by experience. Like I've certainly made some mistakes that, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, that's, we're not doing that anymore. And that's, that's part of, that's part of the process and, and that's okay. So. All right. So we can almost boil it down and I hope I'm not putting too much words in your mouth right now. We can almost in, uh, boil it down to step one, learn as much as you can to a point, right? so that you can mitigate your risk. And step two is take action. You'll learn by doing, you'll get mm -hmm. experience. Is that right? Yes. First, learn what you can, but just because you don't know everything, don't hold yourself back and then just take the action. Know that some things are gonna go wrong and know that you'll learn from them and you'll get yeah. the education by experience. Is that fair absolutely. or? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, Things like some things have, you know, things, uh, things haven't been perfect for me. Things have gone wrong. And I guess just also like expect that, like expect that some things are going to go wrong and that is okay. All right. I have three last questions. Okay. Three last questions. Number one, what is the best way for somebody to educate themselves? Where do they go? You mentioned bigger pockets. You mentioned podcasting. You mentioned yes. books. Just if someone really wants to educate themselves, what's, what do you think? Hire a mentor, read books, go on bigger pockets. Um, I mean, I think bigger pockets is, I mean, obviously like I think pretty much any real estate investor I've ever met has learned a ton from bigger pockets. So I think that's a great place to start. I'm still learning a lot. I'm trying to move into multifamily right now and that's a whole new animal for me. So I just I'm, became best friends. Yeah. Let's, let's talk some more. Um, <laughs> All right, so perfect. there's that. Um, and I think too, like right now I'm looking at probably getting a mentor for myself as far as multifamily goes. Cause I'm like, wow, I can read all about this, but like, how does this look on the ground? And like, how, I don't know, how can this go? What are the things that can go real multifamily? It's, it's a different ball game. It's something I have an idea about residential just from being a human who's bought a property and lived in it. And like, but multifamily is just a totally different, different thing for me so I'm excited to learn new stuff and but yeah I think I think after after reading and researching I think finding a mentor to to work with you if you're able to add some value to their uh, situation as well it would be ideal I love that that's really good <laughs> wisdom the next question the second of three last questions is if the listener here's what we are talking about today gets excited and says, okay, I've, I've educated myself and she's right. Kim's right. I just need to dive into this. I just need to do something. All right. When something bad goes wrong, because literally I own 600 doors. Actually, when this comes out, I close on, on another 200, 150 wow. this week. So I'll be Congrats. at 800 the next, whenever this is coming out, it'll be at least that. Impressive. The question here is, or I guess the point here is throughout experience, right? Mm -hmm. I already know from my experience that something goes wrong. Many, actually many things go wrong on every property, almost every door of every property, right? 
um, things go wrong. I'm still making money, luckily, uh, but that's the truth about it is things are going to happen. We're going to learn. And, and it doesn't matter. I've been doing real estate since 2008, actually 2005, but owning rentals since 2008. Um, and I still like, this is a dozen years and I'm still like learning on every door, right? So let me pull back to the second question and throw it off to you. Knowing all of that, knowing that things are going to go wrong and somebody's going to get into it, what should they do when things go wrong? When, they, when something comes up, what should they be prepared for and how should they handle it? I mean, there, you know, there's different kinds of things that can go wrong. So I guess um, it kind of depends on the nature of the problem, but if it's something like tenant related or screening related or legal related, I mean, I think it's important to have a team in place, I guess, that you can reference. So like, you know, an accountant, a CPA, ideally some kind of attorney, and then also having people on call who like if there's a mechanical problem or some kind of emergency like you can call them and they can help you out so you know i don't know if that's what you were getting at but having it i guess probably in general to answer your question having a team of people in place um so you know who you can call for experts expert advice we need to phone a friend should they quit should they just quit when they when something bad happens i mean I guess it depends. I would say no. Uh, I would not recommend quitting. You're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. Um, I, I guess if it financially destroys you or if it stresses you out to the point where you aren't sleeping at night or something, then maybe this isn't the right thing. Um, but generally, I would say work through it, get through it, and and you'll probably like look back on the other side and be like, okay, we got through that. Problems are going to happen. We can solve them. Everything is okay. And you can move forward. All right. So I changed our two things to five things based on what mm. you're saying. So many things. Perfect. So educate yourself, then build your team, then jump in, then learn from your own mistakes, and then keep buying. Yes. <laughs> I like so, that. So yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. The last question I have. Uh-huh. You've done short-term and long-term rental. If you could just finish it off by telling us what's different about each one and which one you like the best. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, I do love hospitality. Like I like creating experiences for people and giving them a great place to stay and kind of being a one-person hospitality team and just like hearing how much they had a great time on the property. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. It is a lot more work, 100%. Um, the rental property I manage is my family's in the mountains. So especially during ski season, it's every day something, some kind of question, um, something's coming up, want to make sure everyone's, and you have to be like really, like as responsive as I am for my long-term tenants, you got to be really extra responsive for your short-term tenants. And we do have a guy up, um, in that town who's able to like you know be there and do things at any time which is imperative to having a successful short-term rental um i mean you know the the major difference is time like long-term rentals you know there are gonna it's gonna ebb and flow with my time as to how much i'm spending on that property 
Um, mostly, most months, I would say I mostly don't have to do hardly anything except for go through my numbers, make sure we're on track, bills are getting paid, everything's running smoothly, do my property check once a year. Short term, it's like, is the firewood stocked? Do we have enough toilet paper? It's like, you know, every day, every day it's, it's something during the high season and, and, and the summers are getting busier too. So um, I do like both, but like for my own sanity, uh, long-term is where I will move towards uh, doing more of. Okay, good to know. Um, so it sounds like you make more money uh, with the short-term but you prefer the long term anyway. Yes. Okay. Um, and I mean, I guess because they of buy it their like, own toilet paper. They buy their own toilet paper. They buy their own <laughs> light bulbs. They are just, you know, I mean, I don't want to say like short term rental rentals or vacation rentals aren't like needy. They're just on vacation, so they're in a foreign property and they're looking to have a good vacation. And I want to provide that. So, will you share with your with our listeners, the people listening to us right now? Um, really, how can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? If they want to pick your brain, they want to follow what you're doing, if they want to stay at your rental, what is the best way that they could find you? Um, probably the best way to connect, connect with me uh, for real estate related stuff is on Bigger Pockets. Uh, my profile is under Kimberly Gillock. That's G I L L O C K. And um, otherwise, I'm on Instagram, uh, Kimmy G08783. Um, and I'm kind of, I have another real estate Instagram, but I'm thinking I'm just going to put them into one because it's a lot of work to manage both. Mm. Um, so just look for me at Kimmy G0783. Um, and I'm happy to tell you more about our, uh, short-term vacation rental, um, or any long-term rental, uh, you know, advice or just connecting and everything. I I love talking about it. So awesome. I actually have your bigger pockets right now it's in the show notes so anyone can just click on that right right away and also your um insta handle is in the show notes so they can just copy and paste that into instagram and start following you thank you for coming on i really appreciate the value that you added we talked about so many different things about reducing turnover being fair firm and responsive with our tenants to make sure that they can stick with us for a long time and we also talked about inspiring the new person who um who isn't certain about getting into this what things to overcome and we created together the five-step process is first number one is educate yourself then build your team because it sounds like you need to have that team in place before you start owning So educate, build the team, jump on in, learn from your mistakes, and keep on buying. Without further ado, my friend, Kim, until next time, think outside the box. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I want to just say thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, coming on to the podcast. I hope you've noticed one of the things that I'm absolutely trying to do right here on the podcast, and, and I hope you've already noticed this is I'm trying to bring as many amazing women on the podcast to really let that light shine. And that's the same thing that I'm doing with my events. So like I have uh, Tamil Kenny, I've got uh, Alina Trigov, I've got Jillian Sadoti, Ellie Perlman, Kathy Fedke, Maureen Miles, Peely Yarusi, some just incredible humans, incredible women that'll be on stage at the Raising Money Summit this year. I hope you decide to go ahead and grab your tickets. 
and see what all of the speakers, not just the women, but the men and the women have to, to do and present for us. I think we're going to learn a lot. And not only that, but the networking is going to be outrageous. So I hope you'll accept my invitation to come to the Raising Money Summit by going to RaisingMoneySummit.com. Check out all of the speakers, the ones that I just mentioned and the rest of them as well. Check out the speaker lineup. Check out the already amazing ticket prices that we have and grab your discount for it as well. There's, there's a special right now anyway and plus that you could still use the promo code on top of it, which is awesome. Just put in podcast. So that's your promo code. That's your discount code. But there's a discount anyway, plus take that off and you'll save a bunch of money. I definitely want to see you there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th.